Welcome to Nairobi Chapel and Bakasi. We grow deep to reach wide. Now, uh, last week we did some statistics and we'll continue with the same, uh, in the same spirit of statistics. So, um, there's uh, a study that was done. And last year, late last year, the World Giving Index was released. The World Giving Index is a study that looks at how people in 125 countries give their time and money to causes that they care about over the last decade. So they released that index. Who can guess in Africa what number Kenya was? 50. One. Huh? Ne negative. <laughs> Giving. Yes, 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 yes. Pardon? <laughs> we don't give anything. We don't give anything. <laughs> not, 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 not as a nation, but as Kenyans. Yes, not as a nation, but as Kenyans. So we've seen this one, this 50. Negative, this five. Huh? <laughs> Actually, you're correct. We are number one in Africa. Yes. You're shocked, eh? So if you're shocked, don't imagine how those other countries are. <laughs> Actually, Kenya is the only African country in top 20. We are number 11 in the world, world giving index. US, US is number one. Who can guess number last? Yeah? China? Russia? Yeah? Croatia? North Korea? North Korea. <laughs> okay. Actually, it's China. So, if, for those who are hoping our loans will be pardoned, Poleni, Poleni. Also, there's an initiative called uh, Yetu Initiative which is a partnership project between Aga Khan Foundation and USAID. In 2016, they did a study on why Kenyans give. Yeah? So we just look at some of the outcomes of, of that study. The first thing they looked at is what are the key challenges that Kenyans face so that we require maybe someone to help us or to give to our cause. The first one is health. It's a big one. Uh, then the second one is education. Third one is poverty. And the fourth one is economic empowerment. So those are the key challenges we face as Kenyans. Uh, the study also reveals that 93% of Kenyans give. 93% of Kenyans give. And, pardon? The panda baby. So this can be in form of cash or volunteering of your skills, of your time, or in kind. Like each time I go to Shags and I happen to go to the local church there, one interesting thing happens is these guys give in all forms. So there are those who will come very early to, to sweep the place. There's also come even to prepare tea uh, for the pastor, you know. Sometimes even at times the pastor is prepared for lunch, you know. Then there are those who come with money and give. Then there are those, because mostly they are farmers. They come with their produce. Maybe almost pale, offering an end and a kuku for Gary. 
anakuja naye hapa so those that's what they do and what i find very interesting is they even auction whereby they raise money and i've seen a lot of generosity where someone can actually buy and give it to someone else and what remains at times they even distribute to those families that do not have so i think they portray a good example in terms of giving um the other thing is the study was looking at is how do kenyans contribute to individuals who are in need and the most common one is they contribute directly to the individual in need so if i'm in need of something you give me uh, the money you give me the assistance you give me anything yeah then the other one is through religious organizations can be through like a church like this maybe there is a cause that the church is championing so we give through the church uh, then the other one is through friends and family of those in need so it might not be someone you know but it's you know a family member or a friend who knows that person who is in need then there is through local non-profit organizations we have quite a number of ngos to do this and the fifth one i thought it important to point out is it's something that is very common in in our in our country is fundraisers people like fundraisers some of you uh, are aware that ali this year uh, my father in law was unwell and required to be taken out of the country for for treatment and i thank you because many came gave of their resources of their time prayed with us and supported us and i remember as we were nearing the tail end there are some people who were saying when is the fundraiser but we were telling them you just have a platform for giving but there are those who insisted so we actually put a fundraiser in shock to us people actually showed up there are people who really believe in we have to do this formally in a gathering like this so those those are the ways in which kenyans uh, contribute to individuals in, in need so the other thing the study looked at was how do kenyans decide on how much to give how do kenyans decide on how much to give the most common was it is based on what one has at the time of need i look at my situation not your need <laughs> what do i have that i can give then the second one is based on now on the type of need there is a need that i can contribute for more than a particular need you know then uh, the third one was based on the type of cause being supported if it's a cause that is close to your heart you feel obliged to uh, give then the fourth one was amount in any an amount a specific amount either a specific amount or a proportion of income so whereby you can plan and say maybe i'll give x amount this month this is what i'm giving to any cause that comes x amount or a proportion of income maybe 3% of the income so that's how people uh decide on how much to give as kenyans then the other thing they looked at is the frequency of giving 65% of kenyans give as the need arises uh then the, the remainder 35% they give periodically so one uh you wait for the need to come then you see how much to give but there are those who actually look at causes they can give to and decide to actually periodically give but this this one actually uh the finding on this point was Kenyans give impulsively because most of us give as the need uh, arises then uh the last one we want to look at is what hinders Kenyans from giving what hinders Kenyans from giving 
the most common one was I don't have anything to give financially. The need is there, I understand, but I am not in a position. Yeah? The second one was I don't trust that the individuals in need are genuine. Yeah? It happens. It happens. And in some cases, uh, people have actually not been genuine. You know. Then the third, third one closely related to that one is I believe my donation will be used for other needs and not to help those in need. Yeah? So we are seeing trust issues here. Then the fourth one is I believe the donors give enough. Uh, some few years ago, I was serving at a community-based organization and it's in Kisumu. So the, it's supported from outside, yeah? But we needed to start raising support from within because I think in, in, in Kenya, not many people have bought into that idea of, of supporting uh, such causes. Now, uh, the, 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 the funny thing is, this one time I visited that place and they were saying how I think the first lady was going around schools. Because that place, it has a school, it has a feeding program, they support widows and orphans. So the, all the schools around there, they were given free sanitary pads. But that one, they skipped it. And the reason is, these guys are donors. But when we got there, that was not the case. They actually needed these things. So some people actually look at, since you get donors from outside, you must be having more uh, than enough. So those are the main things that hinder Kenyans from giving. I think the, the thing that comes out predominantly here is one, lack of being able to give, and the second one is trust issues. This money, or what I'm giving, will it go to the purpose it is intended for? Dr. Manu Chandaria, we know him, a billionaire, philanthropist. We, whenever he speaks, everyone listens because there's something he's gotten right and you want to learn from him. So he was giving nuggets and he gave around 12 of them, but I was drawn to what he said concerning giving. He said, I am grateful that I am useful to others. To be happy is not just to have everything. Happiness for me is being available to others for their happiness. In my religion, we always say to be happy, you have to make others happy. If you cannot make others happy and you think you are happy, you are, you are not. My happiness depends on others around me being happier. And if you look at philanthropists around the world, even the likes of Warren Buffett, the likes of Bill Gates and so on, these are people who cultivated a culture of giving. From the get, they do not wait to be where they are right now. It's something they had practiced from way back. And guess what? It does not look like it's bringing them down. It doesn't look like it's diminishing their wealth. It doesn't look like it's diminishing the impact that they are having in the world. There's something about giving. 2008 Harvard Business School study revealed that giving money to someone else lifted the participants' happiness more than spending it on themselves. Yeah? So the participants in that study, it was discovered just by giving it to someone else, it lifted them up. Yeah? Then also a wide range of research has linked generosity to better health. 
even among the sick and elderly. There is a strong correlation between that. So there is something giving does to the giver. When we talk of giving, we always think of who am I giving, where am I giving. But there is something giving does to the giver. Right? Second Corinthians chapter 9 from 6 to 15. Second Corinthians, uh, those who don't know where it is, you can find it after First Corinthians. And basically, in, in this portion of scripture, Paul was encouraging the Christians in the Corinthian church to make a generous financial offering to the impoverished Christians in Jerusalem. So he was imploring them to give for a cause. So if we can begin, verse 6 says, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. This one is very straightforward. You sow one seed, you reap one plant. You sow five seeds, you reap five plants. You know? So it says that you, if you, reap, if you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. And you know, if, if, if you are a farmer, you might look at it like assuming I have a, a sack of seeds. This is my bounty. This is what I have. If I want to have a harvest, I have to give up some of that seed for it to be planted, for me to receive a harvest. So I might look at the seed I have and look at the needs that these seeds will go to meet and feel if I subtract from this pot that I have, maybe in the interim I'll suffer or my family will suffer. But you have to give in order to reap a harvest and fill your barns. Um, for those who are farmers, you know the seasons about the planting season, the harvesting season, and you know all that goes into planting. You hire laborers, uh, you buy the seeds, you get a tractor or you get the oxen, uh, you get someone to actually till the land, you get is it manure. So it's very labor intensive and capital intensive. But you do that knowing that there's a harvest coming that will be far much greater than what you've actually sacrificed at the moment. And Philippians 4.19 says, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. This scripture was made in reference to the generosity of the Philippians. They were giving and they were being assured that their needs would be met. Yeah? Yesterday I was with some uh, group of friends. Uh, we had not met in a while. Men actually. You know, Fred were talking about a gathering of men. So it was a gathering of men. And I, I told them what I was coming to speak about today. And immediately guys just started giving uh, powerful testimonies of what they've seen God doing in their life through this aspect of giving. And I remember one of them uh, mentioning how a couple of years ago he left formal employment he started his own practice and started two other businesses but after a while the businesses started suffering there was some government policy that came in that affected how those businesses were doing so he had to shut down those uh, two businesses so it became a bit of a difficult time uh, for him but he, he says that 
that moment was actually a defining moment for him because of the free time he had, he started serving in, in his church. And while doing that, he discovered his purpose. Because by what he was doing, he discovered that actually this is what God is calling me to do. And he enrolled for school. He enrolled for school to better himself and to study in that field that he identified. And he was telling me that they never stopped giving as a family and God never stopped providing for their needs. They might not have had the money that they used to get, but their needs were being met. He mentioned to me, he's graduating this year, and he mentioned to me he has no fee area, but what he's actually paid from his pocket for the fees is less than 10%. So there's a way God has just been able to meet their needs. Yeah. Verse 7 says, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Uh, one of the reasons we saw people don't give is because they lack. But this scripture starts by saying each of you should give. So everyone, regardless of the situation you find yourself in, God has actually equipped you to be able to give something. Yeah? So, if you look at uh, the book of Mark 12, 41-44, I know it's a story you know, which just says that Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins, worth a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. So it, it, it cost her, basically. I think the message, that's the message. It actually cost her. Probably for these rich people, they put large stashes of money, but to them, it was nothing. It was nothing. Fish in the ocean. But for this lady, she put in something that cost her dearly. And Christ said that this widow has put in into the treasury more than all the others. So there is space, there is hope for each of us to give. God, by the way, does not need your money. I think we need to make that clear. God does not need our money. God doesn't need our money. God is calling us to build our faith in him and to do it through our actions. So this scripture, verse 7, which is one of the things we learn, apart from each of us need to give, is that we need to plan ahead of time what we want to give. The portion of scripture says, each of you should give what you have decided. So it's good to plan ahead and identify what it is you have to give. Some of us, we have a skill. We remember about giving when we are told it's time to give. Just put your hand in the pocket, and people can tell the texter, you only 1,000, you you're 50. You know, yeah. That's not how we should do it. We should actually determine beforehand what it is that we want to give. Because it's something, it means it's something that is coming from your heart. You've put your thought into it. It says, uh, each of you should give what you've decided in your heart. It does not say what you've decided in your mind. Because we'll rationalize it, and we won't even give. 
If we start to rationalize it, we will not even give. If it's coming from your heart, it's coming from a place of conviction. It's coming from a place of conviction. Then it also says that do not give reluctantly or under compulsion. Don't feel that you have been forced. If you feel coerced into giving, I'm sure Pastor Fred will allow me to say this, don't give. If you feel coerced into giving, do not give. This is psychological manipulation. Uh, last year, the fourth quarter, quarter of last year, uh, there is a uh, nation, nation media group reporter who was doing uh, write-ups every Monday on different churches which propagate the prosperity gospel. So it was sort of like a series. I was waiting for it every Monday just to read. And this one Sunday, he went to a church and he got in. First of all, he discovered you, you, you check in at 9 and you leave like around 4 p.m. You're inside. You're not going anywhere. So I think after staying for a while, he had gathered all the information he needed. He stood up to leave. He was stopped. Like, where are you going? Like, I'm going home. Like, no, you cannot go before we give. <laughs> so he went back and sat down. So he sat down and giving was far much later in the day. But get this, when the basket goes round, it does not move from you until you give. Yes, yes. That is manipulation, honestly. Because this same scripture tells us that God loves a cheerful giver. There you are under duress to give. <laughs> so if you feel coerced to give, do not give. God loves a cheerful uh, giver. We are learning about giving, not taxation. It's giving, so it should be cheerful. Yeah. Uh, there's a story we were told. Uh, no, uh, you guys will be familiar with this. That there's a guy who went to church. That's like the illustration I gave. It was told it's time to give. So he had with him, for purpose of, of illustration, a 1,000 shilling note and a 50 bob note. So he was like, uh, let me give the 50 bob note. So the basket came, and when he removed, he noticed what a place there is the 1,000 bob note. <laughs> and so that thing really got to him, and he was telling the wife, hey, you know, I wanted to give 50 bob. But Vilen Lito, I just found that I put in 1,000. And the wife was like, you wanted to give 50 bob? That's what God received then. If that's what you had planned to give, that's what God received. So it's important to be deliberate in your giving. Be a cheerful giver. Plan ahead. Under no compulsion. The, the Greek word for cheerful is hilaros, which comes the word hilarious. So that should be like a light, joyful moment when you're giving. Yeah? Verse 8 says, And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. The righteous endures forever. So that portion of scripture has a lot of all. All things, all times, all that you need, every good work. And I think the most important bit for me here is that this part that says having all that you need god will reward you for that god will reward you not just in monetary terms last week we talked about it and we said you cannot serve god and money you cannot serve god and money the money is not a destination in itself 
It is a means to getting to your destination. God can use money to get you there, or he cannot. He's not limited to using money to get you there, or for you to meet your needs. I think the most important thing I want to bring out is, let us rely on God for our sustenance. Let us rely on God for our day-to-day living. Yeah? If he uses money, fair enough. There's a story that is told, and those who've gone, who have done a plug-in will be familiar with this story, of a group of people who were considered the wealthiest at that point. They gathered at uh, Edgewater Beach Hotel in Chicago in 1922. And the combined wealth of these individuals was greater than the US Treasury. Just nine individuals. And we're talking of the US Treasury, not Yeah. These individuals were Charles Schwab, uh, president of the world's largest steel company. Samuel Insull was president of the world's largest utility company. Howard Hobson was president of the world's largest gas company. Arthur Curtin was the world's leading wheat supplier. Richard Whitney was president of the New York Stock Exchange. Uh, Albert Fall was a land baron and a member of the cabinet. Leon Fraser was president of the International Bank. Jesse Livermore was the leading investor in the stock market. Not one of the leading, but the leading investor in the stock market. Ivor Kruger was head of the world's largest securities trading organization. That's, that's power right there. Yeah? So let's see how their lives transpired with all this wealth. What happened to them? Schwab died bankrupt, living on handouts for his last five years. Insel died bankrupt as well a fugitive from justice for fraud violations. Hobson died insane in a mental asylum. Curtin died bankrupt having been indicted for tax evasion. Whitney was convicted of fraud and imprisoned. Fall was jailed for embezzlement but released so he could die at home. Fraser committed suicide. Livermore committed suicide. Kruger committed suicide. I think the main message here is are we looking to money or to God? God is able to meet our need. You can have all this money and your needs are not met as we have seen very clearly. Let us look to God to meet our needs. Verse 10 says, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. The sower is actually being given seed. It's not that you're being asked to give of something you don't have. You've already been given something that you can give. But sowing does two things from this scripture. It provides bread for food. So if it's wheat, sown wheat, harvested, you have bread for food. But the other thing it does, it supplies wheat that can be sown for the next harvest. So when God blesses you, it's for you to go back and give more. You're blessed to be a blessing. Yeah? Verse 11, still in line with that, says you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. So you will be enriched. But your enrichment is for further generosity. God blesses you you give back. He blesses you more, you give back. 
God wants us to build a heart of generosity. God wants our mindset to shift to be givers because God himself is a giver. Verse 12 says, this service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourself, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. So your act of giving in itself is a ministry because we are being told here that because of your service, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession. There is a life group that I am in, and for the longest time we have partnered with a certain children's home, whereby periodically we go there and we spend time with the kids. But how that relationship has, trans has morphed over time. We started, of course, you go to a children's home, you take uh, food stuff, you take clothes, you take many things. But after a while, they were so interested in who we are as individuals and as a group. So they started asking questions about our faith, about our career. And that offered a good platform for us to introduce God to them, to introduce Christ to them. And they were, they've been so receptive. Each time we go there, they are, what they're waiting for is the session whereby their minders will go away so that they stay with us and talk to us, you know. So because of the ministry of giving, these people have been able to even just be ministered unto because of what uh, the group has been able to do. People, it's a saying that, there's a saying people say that people don't, people don't care that you know until they know that you care. So that is very, very important. Last week we talked about the Great Commission. This is actually one way of fulfilling it. Become a giver. And people will automatically start seeing the works of God in you. Then finally verse 14 says, And in their prayers for their hearts, and in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. So not only are they learning from you about God, but they've gone ahead and they're ministering to you. They're praying for you because you have given of your time, you've given of your resources to bless them. Yeah? And this is something we can learn for ourselves. Even if someone gifts you, do we pray for them? If someone just comes and gifts you with anything, do we pray for them? It's something that we can keep, we can get from this scripture. And you know, um, if you go back to the story of creation, we are told that we are made in God's image. We are made in God's image. His blueprint, that's what was used to create us. And you know what? God is the ultimate giver. God is actually calling us to give because he gave us. The verse we all, we've all known since we were small, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he did what? That he gave. And he, don't, he don't, did not just give, he gave his only son. That is sacrificial giving. Yeah? That is something that cost him. And he gave because he loved us. So what God wants is for us to emulate him and become givers. He told us to have dominion on earth. So we need to rule with the qualities that we draw from God. And as I said, that God does not need our money. God is developing our faith through our actions. I have a, 
21 month old daughter. No, it, go, it gets to a place you have to calculate mentally. Yeah, she'll turn two years in, in June. And just recently, I'd gone to the kitchen and uh, just take, uh, serve myself a bowl of fruit. So when I go to the living room, she came and she, she, she normally says shika because when you're when we te- you giving her something, you tell her shika. So when she wants something, she'll come and say shika. <laughs> so uh, I gave her the bowl, then she went away. She ate, she ate, then at some point I was like, hey, at Animalizia. So I told her, uh, give daddy, then she said no. And she actually went away. So I was like, is this how God feels, eh? <laughs> He's given us so many things, but we don't give back to him. And you know, the thing I want to teach my daughter is on sharing, is on giving. Yeah? Am I able to provide more fruits for her? Yes, I am able to provide more fruits for her. Did I really need those fruits? I did not need those fruits. And in the same way, God doesn't need our money. God is just calling us to stir up our faith by our actions. D.L. Moody said that I can tell more about the spirituality of a man by looking at his checkbook than I can by looking at his prayer book. That goes to show you that giving is actually a spiritual thing. We know we've, we've commercialized it. We've made it very carnal, but it is actually a spiritual thing. God calls us to give to a certain group of people. So I'll mention three of them. The first thing is he calls us to give to those in need. God calls us to give to those in need. First John 3, 17 and 18 says... If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words of speech but with action and in truth. So we have been called to give to the less fortunate in society, to the destitute, to the orphans, to the the widows. There's a requirement on us to give to them, right? We can do it directly, as we saw. We can do it directly, or we can do it through an organization, maybe even through the church. We have seen, even in this church, we have several outreach programs that support a certain cause. So we can give either directly or through organizations that deal with those uh, in need. There is a trust that uh, supports uh, cancer uh, patients or those people who have been diagnosed with cancer. And I have, I have been giving to this trust since 2012. I just felt it very strong impressed upon my heart to support it. At that point, I did not know anything about it, but it's something that I have been doing from 2012. 2016, my dad died of cancer, and it even increased my resolve as to why I should give, because I have seen what that can do, what, what cancer can do, especially to the survivors, the ones who have been left behind, and even to those that are suffering. So uh, it was impressed upon my heart to give to this uh, noble cause. Matthew 25, 40 says, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. So the first thing... Or the first set of people we are asked to give to is those who are in need. 
Then the second one, and this one is very interesting because I stumbled upon this verse just this year. I never knew it was in the Bible. We are called to give to family. We are called to give to family. First Timothy 5.8. I'll wait for you unless you say I'm, 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 I've made up that scripture. First Timothy 5.8. Are you there? First Timothy 5.8 says, Anyone who does not provide for their relatives, and especially for their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Hmm? Yes. <laughs> we have a responsibility to our parents, to our siblings, to our children, to our relatives. And I know many of us have stories that are not good <laughs> when it comes to family. Yeah? And that one is so, uyo, uyo, uyo ex, uyo si But we are told that we have to. We have to provide for them. We have to support them. Those that are in need in our spheres, in our families. There's a reason you're placed in that family. And God is calling you to do the deed there in that family. <laughs> and finally, God is calling us to give to the church. Malachi 3.10 talks about bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. God actually is daring us says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. 11 says, I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines of your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe. And you know when he says the storehouse, the storehouse is where you're, where you're fed, basically. The storehouse is where you're fed. That's where the food is kept after harvest. Yeah? And the church, your local church, is where you are fed spiritually. So there is an obligation to support the cause there. When the Israelites were going to the promised land, all the tribes were given territorial lands. All the tribes, apart from the Levites, the Levites were not given any territorial land. And why? The Levites were called to be priests. They were the ones ministering to all these other tribes of Israel. Yeah? And they were supported through a system of tithes and other gifts. So we are obligated to give for the work of God to be done, for embakasi to be transformed. We have to pay a price. We have to give. I know I was talking to Mike last week and there are a lot of outreach programs that are being lined up and they will require us to be a bit uncomfortable and to give up our time, to give up our resources, to be able to change Embakasi. Because we say this church is a beacon in Embakasi and we want to transform uh, this place. So yesterday, one of the gentlemen we were with, now another one, giving also his story of the first time they decided as a family to faithfully give. Theirs was a bit erratic, kama iko, kama akuna, but they said, no, this is what we'll start to do. And they, he said, this is the scripture they based it on. And what he told me was, he started with giving 6,000 bob, which was quite, it, 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 it was denting their, what they had, their pot. 
but he says that he was able to see, especially verse 11, where it says, I will prevent pests from devouring your crops. Because he, he said, for the first time, his car stayed a whole year without going to the garage, apart from the normal service. See, so when God says that I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, those are the things that he's talking about. That there are some things that will be prevented from coming to take of your, of your harvest. And remember, he said he began with 6,000, and he told us the latest amount he gave was 39,400. So you can see, he gave, he received the harvest, he got bread for food, but he also got seed to sow more, and God blessed him more and more and more. And this is what God is calling us to do. And as I said this month, it's really about a mindset shift. We said God does not need our money, but God is calling us, one, to get out of debt, two, to become givers. And it's very clear on the three groups of people that he's calling us to give. And remember, each of us is required to give. Might not be money, might be your talents, your skills. Yeah. I know uh, of some family that gave their home for plug-in last season. Yeah. There are things you can do. Do not despise what God has put in you. And God will bless you and bless you abundantly. Join us every Sunday from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. at Rubani House on Shriji Road off Airport North Road.